Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Um, our topic tonight is um, a thin line between inspiration and theft. Uh, and it kind of it, it came up because of a thing. But before we get started, I want to um, let the podcast audience know that um, um, occasionally we mention a person named Craig in our in our discussions. Craig's not really a person. Craig is a Discord bot, and Craig records our conversation for us to make a podcast with later because we're in a live Discord chat. And that's how we produce the content for the podcast. And then after that, Craig sends me a link. After I f- tell him to fuck off, um, he sends me a link to the um, podcast or the material, so the MP3, so I can download it and edit it and stuff for the actual podcast that you listen to later on CastBox. So Craig's not a real person, and we're not verbally abusing somebody who's helping us out. <laughs> And we we heap as much praise on this imaginary person as we do abuse. So Craig it, is actually awesome. I have to say, it, the Craig bot is awesome. I highly recommend it if you're using um, Discord and for like any kind of recording. I seriously highly recommend it. Um, you get you can get an audio file. Um, an you can get an Audacity project. You can get um, a WAV file. You can get an MP4. I don't know what you'd do with an MP4. I don't. Does he actually record? Our, no, because he's not in the chat room, so he's not recording the chat. But he, you can get an MP4. Um, but I usually get the Audacity project, which um, sends me all of the uh, content from the uh, the podcast audio channel, which is really cool because then I'll have several channels. So, for instance, last night. Because I had all the different channels coming in, I could, you know, me and Jilly were separated, so I could actually edit out the typing that she and I did during the podcast, except for that one moment when we actually talked about the little chittering noises she was making, because I felt like the podcast audience needed to hear that, because <laughs> it was creepy <laughs> as fuck, but I did, I did remove most of her other typing chitterings throughout the podcast, and my own as well, and, um, Things like me breathing while she's talking, you know, just 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 stuff like that. Sometimes me huffing over something I've seen <laughs> while she's talking, just to kind of smooth out the audio for the podcast itself that, that goes up on Castbox. So I highly recommend Craig. He's um, he's an awesome little bot. Especially considering how many hours we burned um, trying to get OBS working and then trying to use other applications, and it just. I mean, we terrible. only have one lost little snafu with Craig, and he's supposed to be able to record up to six hours of audio. Um, and we had one little snafu with Craig, and the moment it happened, he told me, but uh, I wasn't paying attention. So we lost about 20 minutes of conversation, but that's only because I wasn't paying attention to Craig, and he was talking to me. So um, now during the podcast, I have a... Um, add the Discord app up so I can keep track of what Craig's saying to me if he says anything at all. So we are not heaping verbal abuse on anyone. Yeah. We save that for private. Except occasionally Alexa. <laughs> uh, well, I say Except terrible Alexa. things to Siri. But... It's not. Mm-mm. Anyways, so today... 
I was uh, browsing around Facebook and I belonged to a group, a Harry Potter group. And in that group, there was a discussion about a story that was recently posted in the Harry Potter fandom that, um, that it's pretty obvious that the author was heavily inspired by um, several of my, my Harry Potter works, uh, Darkly Loyal being the most prominent. And the author didn't give me credit. And so in the group, they were talking about whether or not this person, um, if it was plagiarism, number one, it's not plagiarism. Um, and number two, uh, while it would nice, it would be nice to be credited with inspiration, I don't ask for it. I don't require it. I'm not going to be that person. Um, but I would have appreciated it. You know what I mean? So, uh, but there is a line between idea theft and inspiration, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. But the person in question did not steal from me. Um, she took themes from my work and worked them into a concept of her own. And later on in the summer, we're going to talk about the difference between a premise and a, um, a concept. Uh, and, um, but... We all inspire each other as writers. And in fandom, that kind of inspiration can spread like a plague. I mean, it can be good and bad, you know. That's how big tropes get big. Like the ABO or the GDP. Was, was that what it's called in the Sentinel? That that big slave verse in, in the Sentinel? Um mm -hmm. I mean, those kinds of fan and tropes uh, come into come into play because of that inspiration and because it's um, it's contagious. And inspiration is is perfectly fine. Um, is it nice when you credit somebody else for an idea you had? Absolutely. But in some cases, you don't know where it came from, and you don't know who really inspired you. If you, like, I, for instance, my Cabbage Patch. Um, Hobbit fic, I couldn't tell you who I read first. I must have read 15, 20 of those of different authors, and I couldn't tell you who sparked the inspiration for that. Because by the time I saw it, there were so many. I don't know who did it first. And even if you told me by the time I post that story, I will I will have forgotten. <laughs> and yeah, I even say that I even read the original Cabbage Patch <laughs> in The Hobbit. I don't know that I did. Um but and sometimes, sometimes giving credit in that kind of situation can sometimes be difficult because sometimes if a specific story is what inspired me, I'll go ahead and mention that story even if I don't know if they did it first. And sometimes what you'll get in those situations, and I'm not saying don't credit, I will always credit, is um, you'll get a say you'll get a, a detailed email explaining how the person you credited is not the person who did it first. Well, I and didn't like, read that person. That like, person didn't, didn't inspire me. This person right. did. The person I quoted, the person I cited for inspiration, is the person I was inspired by, not the person who, who, who you're saying started this. And I only have your word for it that they started it because first person to publish does not mean they're the person who inspired it. Right. Trust me, I, I have a good deal of experience with this one. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a thing. I do want to mention. There's one thing we've talked. We've talked and talked and talked and talked and talked about you can't own an idea. 
Um, so you can't copyright an idea. But there is this funny gray area that's not, it's a little bit germane to what we're talking about tonight, but it it's also kind of its own thing. Um, and it's, there is kind of an idea plagiarism thing that is a little bit of a weird, it's a weird space. And, and that what I, what I mean by that is it's not plagiarism by the legal definition of plagiarism, but you still potentially could win a court case with it. And, and what I mean by that is that when you take somebody's story, their structure, um, their plot, and you basically mirror everything, but you're writing with different characters and it's all your own words, but it is beat for beat the same story. You have basically, in my opinion, plagiarized their idea because you may not be using their words, you may, but you also haven't created anything new either. There's nothing transformative about your work with that idea. You've just slapped some different names on it and put it in your own words. And, and your I've work seen must that. be transformative. Yes. And I've seen that where, I mean, it's, it, it, I, it happened to me once where someone beat for beat idea for idea. It was the exact same story. And I got multiple, it was just with a different set of characters and it, and it wasn't the same words. Right. So it, I can't say that they plagiarized me literally. Like if you ran it through a plagiarism checker, there was nothing similar about these two things because they wrote their own thing, but every single action beat same, every descriptive beat, they came in the same order. It was, it was. So she took your thing. plot and your structure yeah. and slapped some she other my characters on top of it. Yeah, nice. the emotions, the emotional tone, um, what they did, the reasons behind it, the motivations, the GMC, it was all identical. Everything. And so that kind of does transcend the idea of you can't own an idea because that's what I would call it. That, to that's, me, that's, that's, that's not an idea, though. That's a premise. I mean, she's taken your entire premise, which isn't the same thing as an idea or even a concept. You know, but Romeo and Juliet, that's almost practically a trope. Um, and while the West Side Story is a Romeo and Juliet story, um, the action beats aren't the same. I, but I what mean, I mean by Pretty what Woman I mean by is a retelling of Cinderella, basically. Yeah. But what I mean by it's the same like beat for beat is like okay so let's say you've got a bob and dick story okay and then you've got a a tom and jerry story okay and in the bob and dick story which i wrote bob and dick come home and but you know in my words i talk about them coming home and they make dinner and they go take a shower and they get ready for bed and in the other story tom and jerry come home they make dinner they have a shower, they get ready for bed. There's nothing different about these things other than the character name and the town they live in and the actual little, little literal words that describe from action to action. There was no difference in these stories. Beat for beat, they were the same. And I heard about it from multiple people. Do you Did know this, this happened in the X-Files? It, it happened a while ago. Yeah. So I get I get multiple emails from people saying, "Have you read this story? It seems a lot like yours." And I was like, <laughs> "I hate Does that it? email. <laughs> I hate getting that email because <laughs> it's so." <sighs> then you have to now go this, look. Now this is a God case of where my story was at first, so that, you know, 
And the, the person was confronted, actually, unfortunately, in a public way about the whole thing. And um, yes, basically, style, style suddenly emerges a white wyvern who who was the guardian wyvern and yeah, that thing. If you, if you mirrored the, if you mirrored the, all of the at beats and the language and the plot from one of my stories, but with different characters, that's what happened. And somebody asked me, this is, this, this, this is from another fandom, but have you read this? And of course I hadn't, but they got confronted very publicly about it and they claimed they'd never read my story. That's what they claimed. That's bullshit. I've never read that. And there was no way. I mean, they, there that are asshole ideas. who literally plagiarized my words said she hadn't read any of my work. Why do they lie like that? <laughs> I don't know. People are just such fucking liars. <laughs> so it is a um, it's it's the whole idea of plagiarism thing or, or whatever you want to call that. There's there's something in there where someone has stolen your premise. And they have stolen your narrative structure. They've done everything but take your characters and your words. But otherwise, they've mirrored you. And I kind of, that's what I kind of call idea plagiarism. But otherwise, you can't own an idea. Because very similar ideas can pop up organically in separate places. But the implementation should have, there should be structural differences, right? When the, In the implementation of it. The, the beats should be different. The motivations should be different. Because even if the ideas are remarkably similar, the well, author you've seen style. me and Jilly start from the same exact concept. We did it several times in the, in the one sentence prompts. Mm -hmm. Those one and sentence so, prompts are basically concepts. And they're, and some of them are very similar, but some of them are also very different. But the, the things, I think the areas where we tend to converge and be the most similar are where there aren't very many places to go. There are also our so characterization many... because we are working with fandom characters. Um, and characterization isn't something that either one of us struggle with. Um, and so, but if you look at the way that, you know, Lady Holder approached um, the John Shepard one about retirement, or the way I did it, or the way Jilly did it, is that we were all exploring some of the same themes, but not a single one of us managed to do it the exact same way. So... And and for good reason, because we're completely different writers who were going to interpret events differently. But conversely, we did come up with in the in the MCU prompt, the first MCU prompt, we did have some areas that were very similar because there were only we had like there were only so many places you could go with certain things, and the logical outcome of certain things were going to be you you had a you had a you had a very small range of potential interpretations of the prompt. So um and so the, the reason I bring this up is because there is kind of a gray area with idea, idea theft where you're not talking about having the same idea. You're talking about, you know, someone taking someone's mirroring someone's concept. And just because to me, just because you use your own words for something doesn't mean you haven't stolen something. But somebody writing me to tell me, you know, did you know that this story seems remarkably like yours? I'm like, well, they have the same foundational premise. They use all the same tropes that I used, but their implementation, their characterization, all very different. We work from the same idea. And, and it, sometimes I can see obvious to me that somebody was inspired by my work. It seems really transparent, actually. But what am I, I'm not, what am I going to do? Uh, that's, that's inspiration. That's not theft. 
Well, the fact of the matter is, is that it, well, well the, the point being is that even if two people got the same idea, that the likelihood that they would implement it in the same exact fashion with the same action beats with the same GMC is incredibly unlikely. Bordering on impossible. Um, I can't believe she said she didn't read your work. <laughs> I didn't even read it. <laughs> I didn't even read You fucking liar. How could you not have? <laughs> well, and she claimed that, um, you know, that there was such a short period of time between my post and her, her posting that she couldn't possibly have read it. But it was several days, right? And it was only like 10,000 words. Right? It, I can read 10,000 words in a half hour if I'm really into it. Right. And I could write 10,000 words in a day. So it didn't matter that there were only like three days between our posting dates. I mean, it was probably really easy for her to write. Actually, she just downloaded yours and edited it until it didn't look like yours anymore. But it was yours. Right. So, you know, it's like, whatever. I mean, the only time I get really bent about, um, been a couple of times, about the idea thing. Sometimes we talk about something on the podcast um, where... I've really explicit that I'm going to write it and that this is, I'm, I'm working out a plot or usually if I'm working on some, if I'm working out a plot on the air that I really am planning to write and I make it very clear that I'm planning to write the story. And so when someone goes and jumps on that ex specific idea and writes it ahead of me, especially if they've told me they won't. Yeah. I get a little bent. Yeah. And that's, and I keep that People, in my back pocket. I mean, and I'm going to remember it. Oh, yeah. But I've had people in the past, and I did have somebody who outright stole an idea from me. Um, Lady Holder is sharing the links for the three prompts that we did. Um, mine was 38, and Lady Holder's was orders, and Jilly's sight's down. <gasps> I mean, my sight's down. It's not. Yeah, just do a refresh. And Julie's is called Intervention. Yes, it is called. That is what it's called. There it is. <clears throat> um, oh, I do have a... Because that's not where that's supposed... I have a bad link. I shall fix it. Hmm. Oh, you certainly do. I have more than one bad... I, I have more than one bad link. It's probably from when you when you redid your permalinks. Did you reset them to match what you did before? Because that could be the problem. They could be defaulted permalinks. If that's the case, instead of fixing your links, you can just go into permalinks and change your structure. Save it a few times, and that'll fix it. Yeah, I'll I'll fix it. I don't have any idea what's going on there, but it's very weird, isn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like none of nothing linking off the widgets is working. I'm pretty sure it's your permalinks. We can look at it after the podcast if you want. Yeah, but um, I'll figure it out. But yeah, I do get, I do get a little bit, I get a little bit irritated. I mean, I've, there have been times that people said, I, you know, I know you, you're, you're, you're. I really was inspired by this idea. Do you mind if I do my own take on it? And I'll be like, well, no, but I'm planning on writing this. It'd be great if you would let me, you know, get my own idea first or whatever. And um, there have even been times people have agreed to that, and then they don't do it. <laughs> oh. You little assholes. 
you're all little assholes. That's, that's the truth. Um, but you're my little assholes, and that's okay. Um, but so sometimes, honestly, if if I have a really, really one of the reasons why I did not share the full content of my plot idea for um, uh, the the James Potter story is because I didn't want somebody else to write it ahead of me. So I really only gave on that podcast about a third of what I was thinking. And if you listen to that podcast, you'll see it versus what actually came out of that idea versus what ended up in the podcast. Because I made notes on that whole that whole podcast while while I was doing, and I wrote down plenty of things that I did not say out loud, including the whole King Arthur thing with the sword, because I didn't want anybody to take it from me. Because I'd never read anything like that in the Harry Potter fandom, and I wanted to write it first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing I've had come up um, has been, and, and this is one of those things where it would really help if you're ex- inspired by something you hear on the podcast, or if you're inspired by something you've seen somebody else write, especially on Rough Trade. If you would just honor say that it. in your, just say it. Because what happens is you diffuse reader upset when you just disclose it. Because the other thing that happens, I've gotten some kind of ugly accusations about taking somebody else's idea when in point of fact, they were, if there was any idea theft, it was the other way around because my rough trade way predated the start of their story posting. But my rough trade hadn't been finished and posted. So when I posted, I get some ang- somebody angry saying, oh, you took this idea from so-and-so. And I'm like, uh, I don't think I did that, actually. I, this st- I worked on this and it was posted. And there's thousands of people who can attest to that back in such and such a date and such and such a time. So why don't you go back to the person you're so, you know, you're, you're guard dog, you know, guard dogging here and, and talk to them. So, but if they had just said I was inspired by a story I read on Rough Trade that's not currently available online, there would nobody would have everybody would have been fine. But instead, I had to deal with someone's hostility. Every once in a while, there's a fic out there that's um, pretty obviously inspired by mine, and um, the author went out of their way to say the exact opposite without ever saying my name. Um, Every once in a while, I'll get an email about it. Say, have you ever read this by so-and-so? And they'll give me a link to AO3. Because they say that this is their inspiration. But obviously, it was your work that was their inspiration. I was like, yeah, I know. I, I know about it. It's fine. <laughs> Be that way. <laughs> what can I do? Nothing. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know what's so horrible about being inspired by me. I'm fucking awesome. <laughs> Just saying. Just admit it. Just, but it's not that there's nothing wrong with. And the thing is, I think that this is part of that. This ties back to that original sin podcast. Is that um, people act like um, that somehow not being original if they admit that they weren't original in some fashion that it's going to take something away from them. The thing is, none of us were, in that regard, none of us are original to begin with. Everybody's writing from tropes. Everybody's writing from 
Um, Somebody came before you and did that, and more often than not, they did it better than you. And um, that's why they got published, and that's why they got to inspire you. So that's why they were in the position to inspire you. Um, uh, yeah, we are writing fanfic, which is derivative. But sometimes somebody comes across an idea that is so fantastic that it kind of transcends the fandom they're writing in. And... And? Oh, I was reading something. Um, um, and... Um, then it then it's more than that. It's more than fanfic, and it's fine to just be fanfic. Fanfic, but sometimes you come across a concept that so it's kind of really stands out in the fandom, and unfortunately, something like the ABO is one of those things that does, and that transcends fandom. I fully expect the ABO to take to have a serious niche in professional publishing at some point. Oh, it's already there. Well, no, I mean, like, yeah, it's there, but it's not like it'll get bigger. Is 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 what I'm saying. Male preg will get bigger. Would it mainstream? Probably not. But um, you don't really know. But I don't think it'll mainstream. But then, on the other hand. The first 30 or 40 authors who published, who got a publisher to seriously take them seriously about publishing their werewolf fic probably didn't think it would mainstream either. <laughs> yeah. Because the werewolf went from deadly creature in the night who eats you to hot ass creature in the night that you hope that eats you. <laughs> Yes, please eat me. <laughs> Pre please. <laughs> and vampires did the same thing. You know, vampires went from being a monster to being this hot ass um concept in romance and um that kind of fluctuates and comes and goes. Uh so you don't uh, you can say okay, I really don't think that male preg will, will will hit the mainstream, but then it might. I mean, I would never have thought to see a BDSM novel hit mainstream and yet it did be one of the best selling books of all time unfortunately uh -huh. oh I, I all i'm gonna say this is not a bash all i'm gonna say about that is i wish it was semi-accurate <laughs> i wish it wasn't marketed as a romance yeah that too um so yeah but everybody is inspired. Everybody is um, like when I um, one of the first Sentinel Guide stories I ever wrote. I got dinged hard. Um, I've talked about this on the podcast before. Um, that I was stealing ideas from from Kira, and uh, it's my second time out in the challenge, I think. And what was clear to me, okay, so was that these are people who had never read anybody write Sentinel Guide, but Kira. So they assumed she had come up with all the tropes, like prides and spirit animals and <laughs> all the tropes. Bless your hearts. That's not and how that just, worked. I was just like, no, nah, baby. <laughs> no. Um, 
So I, I, I dealt with that person by just sending them a bunch of links of stories published in the early aughts. And some of them, even when the show was on the air, uh, the ones I could still find that were online, um, some of those archives are gone now. And uh, said, you know, these stories all deal with these tropes and they were published, you know, a decade ago. Maybe you should talk to Kira, see what she has to say. <laughs> they didn't, by the way. Of course they didn't. No. Um, because we're all, we're all, in, and the thing is, if I, if I knew, I, I know which authors in, inspire me to, to, to want to pick up the pen and write about Sentinels and Guide, but outside of just the fact that I like the way they write Sentinel Guide, I can't say that I'm, that, that any one of them is more inspiring in terms of trope than any other. And you're talking about like a dozen writers. So it's kind of like, well, where do you go from there? Right. So, but if something is, if I'm inspired by something very specific, um, I'm always going to say, I'm always going to, I don't, I don't have any particular pathological aversion to admitting that I'm inspired by stuff because even if you can't find the fan fiction inspiration behind what I write, you should be able to find the fictional inspiration behind what I write. So, you know, it is not an all original all the time bubble over here. <laughs> <laughs> But so sometimes when you come across a concept that really hasn't been explored um, all that heavily in fandom, in a fandom like your dragons and your emergence, um, Vic, uh, it it hit NCIS fandom like a bomb because nobody had ever done anything like that on that scale at that level with that kind of talent. Is that ugly? Probably. But I still mean it. NCIS has a habit of running off really good writers, and then they have a, they get stuck with what they get stuck with. You just you got what you got. Sometimes you get exactly what you deserve. Yeah. So if, um, okie dokie, um, if if you are, it won't hurt you to say that you're inspired by something that directly led to what you wrote uh if or that made just made you want to write it even if i i credit inspiration to uh litgal for a story that i wrote that i don't think there's even very many parallels between you know plot wise between my story and hers are completely different fandoms the implementation of the story is completely different there's just nothing structurally similar um but I couldn't, but to me, I knew when I started that story, I was thinking about the way that she had approached an adult stepping in and telling a bunch of kids, I got this. And I went a little bit, I certainly in my story react is a little bit different, you know, very different, but it doesn't change the fact that that was on my mind when I sat down to write that story. And so I said so. Because it doesn't hurt me to admit that. And it didn't hurt at all, did it? It was like painless. Nope. Not a wee bit. And you know something, if somebody, if, if four or two or three or four or five or ten or whatever people go and read her story, well, they should. Her story deserves to be read. <laughs> I'm just saying. I've never shot away from the fact that Sentinels of Atlantis was expired by lady holders of the unlikely and the unwilling. The more interesting part about that is I didn't actually connect. Because I sometimes forget authors' names. I'm terrible. I have terrible memory. And so Lady Holder started betaing for me. And I did not connect her with the work I read on Wraith Bait 
for about six months. And I was like, holy shit, that's my beta. <laughs> I, I went over there to grab the link so I could put, and because I wanted to read it or I stick it in my, I, I forget what I wanted to do with it, something. Um, and I realized that it was, you know, it was Lady Holder. And I was like, wait. <laughs> that's that moment where you're going, oh. And you're going, um, by the way, I'm a fan. <laughs> That's even better. Yeah. But seriously, seriously. Um, yeah. But uh, Sitting of Atlantis exists because I read The Unlikely and The Unwilling. And I'd been actually actively looking for a story where John was the Sentinel because I'd read a whole bunch where Rodney was. And I, I really enjoyed those works, but I wasn't on board with that decision. And I was like, somebody has got to have written John Shepard as the Sentinel. Where is this person? And I found that person. And then I found that person again later in the Sentinel Yahoo group. <laughs> the Yahoo group. The Yahoo group. That's exactly what it was, too. They're a bunch of Yahoos. Um, well, you know, whenever I write Harry Potter, there is no doubt that I am hugely inspired by, by, by tropes Kira uses for Harry Potter. I tried to go my own way with them, but I'm definitely inspired by things that she has done in her stories. And I, I say so. And sometimes she outright loans me things or characters. And I say that too. Um, it does because it doesn't cost me anything. Um, now somebody else may decide to say, Oh, well, so-and-so and so-and-so did this before Kira did. I'm like, so what? They didn't inspire me. I don't have to give them credit. I don't even know who they are. Do you have any idea how many, how many fan fiction works there are in Harry Potter? I mean, I think that I'm pretty sure that AO3 has, I mean, not AO3, but fanfiction.net has deleted more than they actually have on the site. Right. They have so, like yeah, Somebody messaged me and asked me if I was going to put my work on fanfiction.net. <laughs> that no. will never not be funny. <laughs> no, no, no. No, baby, no. Uh, first and foremost, because no. I'm not going to let fanfiction.net make money off of me through advertising. And two, um, I'm too dirty for fanfiction.net. I am one big TOS violation waiting to happen. And because people either love me or hate me, it wouldn't take much to get reported over there on fanfiction.net because the first person who had something to say on my site, on my, on my comment, on my story that I didn't like, I would cuss them out. Yeah, and then I would get thrown off because I would get reported a whole bunch of times for violating their TOS with all the cock. This it's a regular cock fight over there, and also the other thing on fanfiction.net is that it just offends me deeply. Aside from the fact of um, a, a, a site that's wildly inconsistent about reinforcement of the rules, their own terms of service, um, the, to the point that yeah, I can't figure out what they're doing half the time. They um, they have never enabled authors to control their experience on that site. And, I mean, maybe they have now, but the last time I checked, which was a couple years ago, authors still couldn't get rid of abusive comments. They just had to live with them. If which it was a registered, if you were, if it was a registered user, you had to live with that comment sitting there, taunting you, being abusive. I mean, it's just like why? And the fact that they don't. They empower, are a reader-centric site, and authors are. Uh, nothing more than an opportunity to make money. Right. 
So the fact that they never have empowered authors to improve their, their experience on the site and that has encouraged this trollish community that exists over there, which is why I would never put my work over there. I was on fanfiction.net for about three or four months in 2008, maybe. That was right enough. before. Yeah, that's that's all it would take. I mean, I've seen authors jump I me. Mean, I've I've seen authors talk about it. You know, I, I I asking most the probably the most asked for thing from authors is that they have the ability to control the comments. Um, but if it's a registered user leaving a comment, there's nothing you can do about it. Even when it's ugly and vicious. Mm -hmm. Which is I mean, I've seen death threats in fanfiction.net comments. Yeah. And people may, this may have changed in the last couple of years, but I, I try not to even read on fanfiction.net if I can help it because, well, I'll just say this. There was a particular set of ads in 2016 that I found particularly offensive. Do the math on the date. It's probably not appropriate for the podcast. Oh, really? Gross. Oh yeah. There was the face. Gross. There was that, that face right there. We're still not winning. While I'm sitting there reading my porn, it it it, I don't have well, I don't have an ad blocker on my tablet, and I'm not going to install one because I like it to work <laughs> the way it works. But actually, I don't know how well ad blockers work on fanfiction.net because I have an ad blocker running, and I still see the ads. Maybe I need a better one. I run an ad blocker on my um, computer, but I don't. But when I read on my tablet, it's mostly my Kindle, so. So yeah, that that was since then I just I just like I'm like man they 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 have like no lines on these ads. <laughs> um but so inspiration, be inspired. If somebody likes the idea and I I I have a I have a pay uh I'm not going to say it on the podcast. Creepy aliens running across the roof. One direction killer. They're just saying, right? I'm sitting there trying to read my romance, and there that was. Ew. Um. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It was terrible. I, I just I had to nope right out of the sight. So, uh, we can look forward to that again next year. Um. <laughs> you know, to get back on topic, it is yeah. awesome to be inspired. Uh, and it is perfectly okay to be inspired by other people um that's perfectly okay and it's perfectly reasonable to say hey th this person inspired me to write this i read this i really liked it it inspired me to do this that's perfectly okay some authors contribute a whole lot of fanon to a fandom you save when you admit inspiration, you save the readers outrage and time. You save not all of them, because some readers just like to bitch, but a lot of them, especially those who are defensive of their, you know, if they see you've credited their 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 precious snowflake, whoever that is, um it it probably will go the opposite direction, right? Instead of being mad, they're going to think high, more highly of your story because it's inspired by somebody they like. That's just the that mentality. Um, so it, 
being inspired is great. I I read stories by authors all the time and I get a, oh, what if this had gone? Not because I think their story wasn't good, but because I'm curious about a different avenue of exploration. And so I was very directly inspired by that. And there's there's no harm in admitting it. Um, it's perfectly normal. Yeah. Is what I'm getting at. If you're not being inspired by what you're reading, well, I don't, actually don't know why you're writing fan fiction because you're being inspired by something to go pick up the pen and write. So writing you, a fanfic of a fanfic. Um, I'd say you got to be careful. Um, there was a situation last year on AO3 where um, this one author wrote this really popular story. But she had to take a sabbatical from fandom because she had some stuff come up in her life. She comes back a year and a half, two years later. I don't know. I don't know the time on this period period on this. It could be a decade for all I know. Um, with a sequel. But in the meantime, one of her fans had written a sequel to her work. And the original author's sequel invalidated the other writer's sequel. And the fans of the other writer were furious with the original writer and ran her off AO3. Not kidding. That's, that's just some next level bullshit. It just... So, fanfic of fanfic. <sighs> you have. To I think you need to be careful with it. And I think that you don't ever need to say that you've written a sequel to somebody else's work without their explicit permission. Yeah. Now, it depends on what you mean by a fanfic of their fanfic. If you mean a continuation of their story without their permission, I wouldn't call that a fanfic of a fanfic. I would call it a continuation of a, 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 a not an unauthorized continuation. I'd call it a hijacking. Really um, yeah. Um, if what you mean is that I... Okay, so like I wrote a fanfic of my own fanfic, sort of. It was short, but I called it exactly that, a fanfic of my own fanfic, which was that Alex Shepard, it was, it was the cave, it was, I think it just called it the cave. It was for the cave prompt. It was a short, it was a 1K short. And the reason why it was a 1K, the reason why it was a fanfic of my own fanfic was because it had the same exact backstory as If Found. But none of the stuff that happens in that story would happen in If Found. Alex I, wrote, be I wrote a fanfic of my fanfic of my fanfic. Um, Finding Atlantis is basically a fanfic, sort of, of what might have been. I wouldn't say it's a, um, in any way a um, an AU of it because there are too many. There are there are a lot of differences. Um, I don't know. It you know. So there's like. Um, I just kind of wanted to stick Sebastian on on Atlantis and see what would happen. <laughs> Why not? Now, a couple people have approached me and asked me about writing Alex Shepard stories using the same backstory, the same data, the same biographical points, but a different method by which um, everything comes to light and... And there's a, there's, if somebody wants to take the premise, my premise for the story and all the background details and all of the, all of the character bios and stuff, and they, and they want to work with that 
and write their own story about how the shepherds find Alex. Okay. I would, uh, I wouldn't call that fanfic a fanfic. If you do it with my permission, you know, you're kind of, that's sort of, you're running with the idea. Uh, Catalyst and For You are sliding doors of each other. They're not fanfics of each other because they each have a critical divergence point. I'll come back to that one. But if you, um, if you have, um, but there's a difference, okay, between somebody, say, maybe taking all that information about the stuff I'd set down about the kidnapping and all that stuff and having Tony find the shepherds in season eight or pre-series and writing the, a different path by which he's reunited with his family, okay? That's different than somebody writing the exact same premise as I did and just reinterpreting it and writing it a different way than I did it. I would, that's what I would call fanfic of fanfic. And it would, to me, that would feel inappropriate because it almost feels like a remix. If you're using I, will, the, I don't remixes drive me nuts. Uh, what's, what's, so, the, what's the other term for it? Is it, um, is it called a remix? Someone offered to do a remix from a remix. Someone said they'd done a remix of something I wrote once and I asked to read it and I was absolutely horrified. To this day, I can't read any of their work. I mean, it was so upsetting I cried. I was just like, I cannot fucking believe you did this to my really beautiful romance. Well, what they did, that what they did was butt ugly. It was, it was butt ugly. Um, and, and the problem is because it bore too close a resemblance to what Kira wrote. It's well, not she, like they took her. He or she, whoever they are, basically turned ties that bind into this big abuse fic. And it's not like they took your your world building with your pleasure houses or whatever and did their own thing that was abusive. It's not like that, right? Take a combination of no, you and Xanthi. Copied and, and they, pasted my stuff into a document and edited it to it was, until it was abusive. Right. And so you have to just be sure when you're doing like the whole fanfic of fanfic thing is like what what exactly are, is your intention? If you're if you're kind of mirroring the plot of the original story, I don't know that I would call that fanfic a fanfic. That whole mirror remix thing is is a kind of a gray area, but um, but never ever remix without somebody's explicit permission. This is fandom etiquette. Yes, is it a double standard? Yes, because we 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 remix canon all the time, but this is we're a community. Um, so the idea that Tony Dinoza is really Alex Shepard wouldn't be plagiarism. Nope, it would not. Using that idea is not plagiarism. Um, you don't even have to call him Alex Shepard. That he's really a shepherd at all is using that idea is not shepherd. If you want to use the same name, also not plagiarism. Um, if you got, I would say, and you don't even have, you don't have to credit me I, because I, I don't own that idea. Um, but it's polite and you would certainly make my readers happier if they read your story. And they're gonna. It's a, there's really nothing more annoying than some than and, and the readers mean well, so I'm not annoyed with them. But it's annoying when I get an email saying, "Hey, I saw Matt Shepard in a story, and the author didn't give you credit. Should I say something?" Well, no, honey, you don't have to say anything about their rude ass behavior. <laughs> it's like it's okay. So yes, you can get in. I I am perfectly delighted for there to be more Alex Shepard stories, or just Tony as a shepherd by whatever name. Um, he could be named, you know, Francois Shepard if you really want. Although 
I discourage that because it sounds that. He, he, doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't look like a Francois. I'm just saying. Um, Although seriously, though, one, um, I guess about a year and a half into writing what might have been after Matt made his appearance, I get one of those emails and I said, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And then about six hours later, I got an email from the author apologizing to me because she didn't realize she needed to give me credit for Matt because she didn't know Matt was an OC because she'd never actually watched Stargate and assumed that Matt Shepard was canon. And I could see why she would. He fits so well. And if, if you didn't know um, Stargate verse, you know, especially if you hadn't watched the sh episodes that dealt with John's family, you might not know that Matt was not, especially since multiple writers now have brought Matt in. It makes it even harder for people to. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm not even, I'm not, I'm not even. Um... You're welcome, As. <laughs> no shame in my game. But, you know, if, if somebody wanted to write, Tony the Shepherd, go for it. I mean, as far as I know, I'm the first, I'm the person who came up with that idea, but I'm not like, I can't actually say that with a hundred and a thousand percent certainty because it's possible that existed out there. I do know where the idea came from. It came from writing the first episode of the emergence sequel, which is called Contact. It's on EAD. When um, Rodney was looking at, met Tony on the spirit plane and called him Diet Shepherd. <laughs> and he commented about how they had the same hair, the same eye color, the same build, the same jaw. And I went, well, they kind of do have a lot of features as a similar. And that was where the idea came from. Could there be another story out there where I, but I, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I don't, I don't think I've ever seen him even as a cousin before I wrote if found, but again, I'm not a hundred percent sure of that. I don't, I like him I as a cousin too. The cousin certainly is an easier path than yeah. him being a, a full sibling or even a half sibling. Um, Unless you kind of want me Patrick an asshole, which you know. But but between the time I talked about the it, that the if found verse on the radio show and the time I posted the final version of if found on my website, there were other stories that came out that had Tony as a shepherd in them. As far as I know, every single one of them was between the time I talked about it on the podcast, the ones I know about, and the, the time I posted it on my site. So there were stories that appear on the surface to predate me, but as far as I know, they don't actually. You little buttholes. So, and, Just you know. Straight up buttholes. Yep. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, Interesting yet limited gene bull. Yeah. Up until that moment, I had I had not realized how much Michael Shanks and um, what's his name looked alike. It was just, and then after that, that was all I saw. Ben Browder, yeah. thank you. Yeah, and sometimes you're just like, huh? Um. <laughs> Never getting that out of my head. Thanks. And one of the reasons why I did the art with all the brothers in it was because when you look at the four the four actors who play the four brothers in If Found, there's a striking physical resemblance. 
So it was like, huh, that's not that much of a, it's not that much of a leap. No, it's not. But, but also what it boils down to is Hollywood's um, idea of male beauty and what is attractive and what, yes. um, so they all share similar features because that's the kind of features that um, casting, we find attractive that casting look for. So, and three of three of the four have green eyes, though, which is like um, green eyes are actually rare. Yeah, they're very rare. So it's kind of like, well, that's interesting. But yeah, I mean, you know, so. Yeah, see, that's just a little ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, they they all practically have the same chin. They do have the same chin. It is it is ridiculous. So it's, when you know, I you'll be you'll be inspired by others. I actually had another podcast idea talking about the the origin of inspiration and you know letting yourself be inspired. So that'll probably come up later. But um just as far as the logistics concern of, of inspiration, I um there is no originality left in our experience. Um the only way we're gonna get any kind of originality in our human experience is if we get invaded by aliens and they bring some new concepts and tropes to us because <laughs> it's all been done. Yeah. It's all been our done. only hope for originality is aliens. But and let's I, just but hope they're like our aliens that we think about. <laughs> well, sometimes I think we've branched out into some of the genres like sci-fi and fantasy and stuff in the search of originality. But even there, you still have the same fundamental story types because we just can't get away from them. So it it's not I don't I don't have I and the funny thing is that I read something and I recognize Kira's like especially like stuff that Kira tropes Kira works with and works with very well. Um and somebody credits her. Um okay, this may sound ridiculous, but I'm probably more likely to actually comment on the story. That's just the truth, because I'm more likely to comment and say, I love the spin you took on this. It was really interesting to see how you interpreted this into your story. Blah, 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 blah. If I feel like that somebody is heavily influenced by her and they didn't credit her, I'm a little bit like, I'm, I'm not, I'm just going to step away from this <laughs> because it's uncomfortable. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. That's just the truth. I so, actually don't comment on stories that I feel like have been inspired by me when they don't say it because I feel like that is she going to think I'm being salty for commenting on her stuff and like not mentioning the giant white elephant in the room. Is she gonna think I got an attitude about it? Am I gonna get an email later apologizing for not, her not doing what she was supposed to do to begin with to be a decent, polite human being? <laughs> I'm just kidding about the decent part. You're still a human being, a decent human being, even if you don't credit, but you're not a polite one. <laughs> no, it's like I, you can't make people be polite. I mean, so, but. It, it really isn't. I mean, I think people, I don't know what people think are going to think is going to happen to them if they credit, but it would, if people would just do it, it would cut out a lot of chaos. Now I've seen people like going really far out of their way to not give credit, which is always funny to me, meaning that they, instead of just giving one line of credit, I was really inspired by Kira Marcos or Lady Holder or whoever. Instead of just giving that one line of credit, they'll give like six paragraphs explaining how they weren't inspired by the things people might think that they're inspired by. 
<laughs> Even though it's okay. obvious they were okay. Okay, honey. Okay. It's like, yeah, whatever. You're putting a lot of effort into explaining how you're not not inspired by something. But, you know, you do you. Yeah, it is suspicious. Um, it is very suspicious. And unnecessary. Don't twist your up, yourself up like that. I mean, because, honestly, that's just dumb. Now, with the story that was the direct mirror of mine, and I will call it mirroring. I can't call it remixing because it was a, a mirror, just in a different set of characters. Um, the mirror story, they couldn't admit inspiration because then they'd have to admit that they flat out stole the story. Right. Every single beat of that story was stolen. So um, that's different. But I see playing with a trope from this person or something you read from that person or putting your own spin on it or, you know, taking a trope somebody else as far as you know, the only person who's done it and reimagining it your own way. I, it, it is befuddling to me how people think that it's going to harm them in some fashion to admit that they were inspired. I, you know, the only person who should be worried about being accused of plagiarism is the person who actually plagiarizes. Um, and getting inspiration from another person isn't plagiarism. Yeah. Now, I have seen fan fiction readers and writers get wrapped around the axle and think that a fan fiction writer owns an idea. And I now, have I've seen, seen well, actually, I've seen fan fiction writers who think they own an idea. Um, yeah, go on the offensive and threaten to... I've seen fan fiction writers threatening to sue people for taking their ideas. And as long as they aren't taking their ideas and putting them into print, I don't know what they're talking about. Um, but even but if it, someone did, if even if someone took your idea and wrote something dramatically different from it and got it professionally published you wouldn't have a leg to stand on because you cannot copyright an idea. If you could, there would have only have been one cop show to have ever existed in the history of television. Well, there'd probably be one buddy cop show and one, you know, team thing. And, you know, they, they'd have like some iterative thing where they'd be like, well, this is transformative because he's not, it's not a pair. It's one guy working alone. He's the lone ranger. Oh, wait. <laughs> He's not the Lone Ranger. <laughs> TV I, I, would be really I, I, fucking boring, okay? Right. We'd be in season two hundred of Wagon Train with a new uh, with a new set of characters. <laughs> you so know what I mean? It, yeah, exactly. But, but I have seen. Now I will admit, I can understand too. I can understand a little bit where people can worry about this because there are some authors out there who think they own their ideas. But they're but, dumb, so don't don't take them seriously. Don't let their well, ignorance. No, dumb is the wrong word. They're ignorant of the of of what copyright is. <clears throat> yeah, and even if you know there was a chance that they could own something attached to fan fiction, which it it it's <laughs> it's really crazy hypocrisy to me to start asserting ownership when you're playing in somebody else's sandbox. But okay. It's not like saying don't plagiarize me or don't continue my work. That's not what I'm saying. But to claim you own an idea when you're playing with somebody else's character and plotline <laughs> is it's 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 a it's a it's a gray space. Let's call it that. It's a gray space. <laughs> um 
But anyway, um, I'm fine with fan fiction writers saying things like, I don't want you continuing my story. I don't authorize any continuations. Da, 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 da. That's fine. You know? That's perfectly reasonable. I don't want yeah. any jackass writing sequels of my work either. So, but the idea that they're saying you can't you can't work with my ideas, no, they can't make that claim. And if they go on the offensive and run around trying to um, claim that they own something or try to get somebody in trouble for plagiarism, they're going to find out real quick what the definition of plagiarism is. Now, there are some non-legal definitions of plagiarism that do relate to ideas. Awesome, but that desert. is completely irrelevant. Because somebody gave, I remember on the on 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 that group that shall not be named, somebody gave a, a definition of plagiarism based upon something in in a dictionary, a online dictionary that defined it as uh, copying somebody else's ideas, and it's like, okay, but is that the legal definition of plagiarism? <laughs> no. Just because you found some weird dictionary somewhere that listed about ideas doesn't mean that that has anything to do with the legality of the situation. So we talked about inspiration, and the, the podcast was about the line between inspiration and theft, right? Mm -hmm. So where is that line? I think it's incredibly thin, and it's also very light gray. <laughs> yeah. Because well, you talked about how someone took your, your work um, beat for beat. If they took your plot, they took your characterization, they took your GMC, they slapped some new names on it and some new words on top of it and called it their own. Well, that is obviously idea theft. It's, we've, we've passed inspiration straight to theft. Um, it doesn't matter that she put the new fans and would do it in. I mean, it doesn't matter at all. Yeah, she, so, uh, she, she probably picked the new fandom to do it in because she thought I wouldn't find out. True, fandom true. was there. Were, there was a time and, when fandom was much is, more siloed. Those people who do that—they're not actually writers. I talked about earlier in the year about how writers are born. Um, and someone who plagiarizes—they're not a writer. There's someone who's pretending to be a writer to get attention. And they might have the intellectual ability to put a story together um, on top of somebody else's work or do some weird-ass copy-and-paste Frankenstein fic to put on AO3 for attention. They're attention whores. They're not writers. They're not one of us. And no one needs a Frankenfic. And the problem is, people really, there are people who really love that Frankenfic. Um, I got real, some an abusive, an extremely abusive email over it because they were upset that I had um, uh, caused that fic to be taken down before it could be completed. And I wrote back and said, Why don't you just fucking read the originals? And I gave her a list of all the um, um, titles that had been. Um, plagiarized. I said, go read the originals. You've actually got plenty of material to read, you greedy-ass whore. Um, but you won't miss that Frankenfic. Just let it go. Let it go, bitch. Let it go. I don't feel guilty at all about getting that bitch's stuff taken off AO3. Even though it took me five months. I don't care. I don't, no, I don't give a shit. I will do it again. 
I hope they deleted her account on top of her. I mean, I don't know if AO3 deletes your account when you they find you guilty I, of plagiarism. I couldn't find but, it. Well, she's still got her Tumblr. Last time they I only checked, had one her. story posted, and it was the one that she had stolen from me and six other authors yeah. from Ugh. more than one fandom. There were several Harry Potter stories, but there was a couple of other anime fandoms as well. Then I, you know, honestly, you gotta almost admire. Well, when you couple it, and I won't say it, but when you couple it with their username, it was like they were advertising what they were doing. The stitching of the material together was not bad. It wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. I mean, I don't want to say it was terrible writing because most of it was mine, but. <laughs> and some of the, yeah, some of the stuff that was yours was yours, yours word for word. It was just like not even, not even an attempt to change original names. No, 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 um, no. It was even still, well, it was still a Harry Draco fic. Um, but what's more interesting is that she stole words from Birth of the Serpent King and concepts from that old black magic. And I was just like, you heifer. And you can say their name because their name is on my um, dream with. Yeah, their name is their The username was familiar anonymous. Um, don't you feel like that's telegraphing? What they were doing? This is familiar. And I'm doing it anonymously. <laughs> I mean, come on. Heifer. You know, it, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so where, where, is, where, is the, where is the theft versus inspiration line? Well, I'm going to give you another example of theft. If you're doing a bunny bounce with somebody, for whatever reason, you're talking to them privately or in a small chat room or whatever, and somebody plots a story and they are sharing their story idea with you. And you go off and write the idea before they do the story that they sat and plot plotted in front of you. And you go off and write that idea. You just stole it. And that's the truth. If the only way you'd have come up with that idea was your exposure to that person's creative process. And you took the idea that they plotted with you, you know, not with not the two of you did collaboratively, but that they plotted while you sat there and read what they were doing. And then you go off and write their idea before they can do it. You just stole their story. To me, that's theft, not inspiration. I actually had an incident like this where I was um, doing a back and forth um, with a writer talking about various romance concepts and things I would like to do. And I explained to her the series that I wanted to write at the time. Um, it was actually very timely. And I, if I had actually done it, it would have, it would have probably sold very well. Um, and uh, I was just really being really free with my, with my idea and my inspiration for it. And what I was, and then six months later, she asked me if I would do an alpha read for her. She'd written my book. That hussy. And I read it. And I was like, I was vicious. I, I, and I am rarely ever that vicious to another writer, but I took it back to her and I slapped it down on the table. Um, I was meeting her for, um, she thought we were meeting for lunch. We did not have lunch. And I said, you know what? You send this piece of shit off to your agent and you get it published. But I want you to remember that you stole this from me. 
and that you're a fucking cunt and I will never ever share another idea with you as long as you fucking live and you're no longer welcome in my writing group and if I see you again I'm gonna punch you in your goddamn face and then I walked away she never published it and I never wrote it either because I couldn't I was just like she ruined it for me yeah that, and that's what happens you know and, but I mean sometimes I wonder if people count on that as if they're gonna ruin your idea for you um especially in fandom so Maybe she you... thought I would be so upset that I wouldn't um, that I wouldn't write it and it would be okay and that I wouldn't say anything. She didn't know me very well, obviously. Yeah, but I mean that is that is definite theft, right? I mean, if if somebody is sharing talking to you and is part of a you know author to author and and they're trusting you with their with their creative brain power or whatever with their idea and you go off and write it, you that's it may not meet the legal burden for theft, but it's theft. We all know it is. It's creative theft. Um, and and basically, anytime you hear somebody saying, I'm planning to write this story, and here's my plot, bop, 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 and here are my ideas, and here's my world, and you go off and do it, you've, told, you've stolen their idea. That That's just the way that is. It, it doesn't matter how inspiring you find it. If you find yourself writing exactly what they talked about, if the only way you can find inspiration in that idea is to write it exactly the way they discussed it, you, you shouldn't be writing that idea. She even Get used your own my idea. Title. That's disgusting. That's just completely disgusting. I mean, it's it's if somebody, um, if you sit down and you, uh, I mean, I can say there are a couple of times that Kira and I have done plotting together. On, on the podcast that I'm honestly not sure and by the time we get done plotting whose story we're talking about anymore. Right. <laughs> it's, it, it gets to be kind of a weird space. It's like, whose idea was that? I don't even know. Um, but in that particular instance, because we were doing so much sharing that I wouldn't regret her any of, of that. I wouldn't either inspiration, you know, but I would still talk um, to you about any idea that we co plotted that I plan to write. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely credit you, and I would expect you to credit me, because you're not an asshole. Well, right. I mean, I have asshole moments, but I'm not that kind of asshole. <laughs> right? <laughs> I may be a bitch, but I'm not that kind of bitch. <laughs> I'm not the kind of bitch that takes credit for somebody else's hard work. But I am that bitch that will give you a really dirty look if you don't put your card up at the grocery store. The other day, I went to the, um, I, I didn't want to go, I, I was, had a headache, but I wanted to go to the store, so I made my husband drive me, and I let him stay in the car, which is best for both of us, because he's really annoying in the store. Anyways, I go into Publix, and I come back out, and I'm getting my stuff, and this hussy left her cart in the, um, in the, uh, the van lane of a handicap. Sitting right next to her in her abled-bodied parking spot. I gave her the dirtiest look I've ever given any human being. <laughs> I get in the car. My husband says, you want me to get out and move the cart? And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he got out and moved the cart. But I was afraid if that. I went up there to do it, I'd cuss her out. <laughs> I'd have been like, let me get that for you, you inconsiderate twat. 
you complete and utter hussy. You know, <sighs> it was there was there's this funny thing, a funny little story. This is not a theft situation. I I do plot, I do bunny bouncing, plot idea, help people with plot points I, all the time. Okay, and I do not expect people to credit me. Some people do, some people don't, but I have no expectations in that regard. This is part of the creative process. You go to people for help. Sometimes when you're working on a story, you wind up with help from 15 different people, you know? So it's like, at some point, it, it's a little bit difficult to, to differentiate who did what, right? Okay, but let's, let's take an extreme example. I was working with somebody who's having a hard time with a, with a story. And, um, I mean, they had... The idea they initially had was was called there was wasn't much 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 there. This was a while ago, and um, I said, "Well, you could come out with from this other angle," and like, well, I don't know how I'd work it. And I was like, "Well, you could do this," and I, it must have been six eight hours later. You know, I had worked through the entire the entire plot as I would approach it, if it were me, how I would do it. Nothing more is said about this. Months go by their story comes up on AO3. It's all done. And they credit inspiration to somebody else. And I was like, okay, I wonder what they, what they run. I, Cause I wasn't expecting I had credit. So I started reading the story. It is literally the plot that I came up with. Rude. I mean, beat for <laughs> fucking beat. It, it, they didn't even try to adapt it much. It was my plot. I was like, okay, well, but why is so-and-so getting credit for this? Because, I mean, not that I need credit for helping another author out, but why is so-and-so getting credit for this and not me? I was just, I was curious. So I asked her. And <laughs> she said, I also said, so um, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm just curious. So I noticed you credited your inspiration to, to so-and-so. And she said, yeah, huh? And I said, uh, for the plot that I came up with. And she said, oh, well, that person's the one who made me want to write in this fandom. I was like, oh, of course. Of course. You asshole. The, the person who made you want to write in the fandom. Right. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Next time she asked me for help with the plot, I was like, nope, don't got time. I'm busy. <laughs> I'm super busy. I've got super to wash busy. my hair today. <laughs> Which is even funnier since you shave your head. <laughs> <laughs> Not your whole so, head. Yeah. yeah, she doesn't shave her well, whole head. More than half. <laughs> but yeah, it was just it was just one of those kind of like, uh-huh. Okay. Well, good for you. <laughs> the only thing that I just like that reminds me of that joke about. that Jeff um Boxworthy tells about going to see um the first alien movie and um, how he really thought Sigourney Weaver was hot. And he made the mistake of telling his wife that as they were leaving the theater. Um, and later on, he asked her um, if she would make meatloaf for dinner. And she says, well, why don't you have Sigourney Weaver make you a meatloaf? <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm comparing you to a jealous wife or anything, but it just it made me laugh. It's just the comparison popped up into my head. No, so it's, you it's make pretty, it, weird. Plot your story for you. <laughs> well, definitely there was no, there would be no jealousy component, but I could definitely say that. Well, why don't you go get plot help from so-and-so since they inspire you so much? Right. <laughs> it's not a, it, and it wouldn't be a jealousy thing in that case. It'd be a spite thing. It's like, well, since so-and-so is so inspiring and they are like the big name in the fandom, why don't you go get help from them? 
It was a BNF. That makes it so much better. (laughs) (laughs) But whatever. Whatever. One of the more interesting things I've ever seen is about, God, it's been probably six or seven years ago. I came across a fic on race bait, or it might have been AO3, or maybe AO3's infancy. Anyway. It was a long time ago. Someone had credited me, me with help, but I'd never heard of them. I had no idea who they were. I mean, I was like, I go through my email, look for, like, the title or, you know, anything. Nothing. I looked at my instant messenger. At the time, I was using Yahoo. Nothing. I was like, did this, did this hussy name drop me to get more readers? And that's when I, I was like, it was like shortly after Lady Holder told me I was a BNF in the middle of a podcast. So 2013, 2014, you're not sorry, you heifer. That's what, that was what's going through my head. She's not sorry. <laughs> I was like, well, there you go. <laughs> this have, this hussy has name dropped me in her author notes, and I have no idea who she is. I was offended. I continue to be offended. Latter day BNF. Especially since they need to qualify it, right? She's not like, you know. <laughs> we're we're only gonna give her like a little bit of BNFness. <laughs> did like, you did we tell them about you, that asshole. thing, about the Sentinel thing? Oh, about how you have one of the seminal works and the Sentinels and Guide are known universe. Yeah, I do. Sentinel Guides are no trope. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure yeah, they that lived it. burns their it, ass. <laughs> it does. It's hard. It's hard to find the, the. It was weird how I found the link to it. But if you can find the page on fan lore about the Sentinels and Guides are known AU, and they give a list of major works, the Awakening is like one of the first ones. They only list five of in the Sentinels and Guides are known trope, and Kira's is one of them. I was like, wow, that must have hurt. <laughs> Because you know they hate me. I had to immediately go ahead to tell Kira. So I was like, guess what? (laughs) Look at this. (laughs) Someone had to credit you. (laughs) But I think actually um, that the Rough Trade Challenge for the Little Black Dress has done more for that trope than anything else. Oh, I I agree. It's huge. It's gotten it into a lot of different fandoms. Uh, somebody Arate may have found it. It's even more irritating, I think, for them that there are more there are there are a huge amount of Sentinel fix coming into the fandom every year, but they're not like the Sentinel. Yeah, <laughs> they're all crossovers. <laughs> Actually, that's one of the things I find the most irritating about that is um, that they call similar trope. ABO is a similar trope. And it's really not. Why would they care? The year that I put out The Awakening, I was nominated for a whole bunch of awards in this Sentinel thing called Light My Fire Awards. And it was like the biggest fandom tradition that the Sentinel fandom had. Um, 
was very important to them. It was very popular. And I was nominated over and over and over again for The Awakening. Well, the problem is, is that there was a segment of the Sentinel fandom who had a real problem with The Awakening because of my characterization of Blair did not match their fanon expectations. And I was habitually abused in my email for going on three months from several people um, one of them claiming to be a BNF in that fandom saying that I had ruined um, the last year of their awards because that was the last year that Light My Fire Awards were going to happen and um, that I had ruined it for them with my stupid fic um, and they didn't like Blair and uh, someone had a real big deep ass problem with um, Blair's method of grounding Jim with, with poetry and stuff. Um, which, okay. I don't care if you hate it. <laughs> and anyway, there was a whole bunch of grief. Um, so, while I love the Sentinel, I'm not, I'm not fond of the fandom. And um, they tainted it. And I, I haven't actually... Um, I had six or seven ideas for the Sentinel fandom that I stopped writing because of those bitches. I just couldn't, I just couldn't go there, including the sent, in, including the sequel to the the Awakening. Um, I just couldn't go there. Yeah, because they're terribly the, the the fandom could be there are good certainly there are good parts of that fandom, but they were not the vocal. They were not, and it may have even been that this this vocal part was a was a minority. The problem is when the majority doesn't try to silence the vocal minority who are abusive, and they didn't. They I just kind of all was, sat back and watched. I mean, they dogpiled me, and I still won most of their awards. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it probably hurts. It probably hurts them that they had to list Kira as having a a, a seminal work in that trope within the Sentinel fandom. It probably hurt them deeply to see that. Yeah, that little Poor segment of puppies. people who 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 hate me because I didn't make Blair a girl with a dick. A weak ass girl with a dick. Not even a strong woman, but like some weak ass crybaby girl with a dick. Yeah, because if you write Melinda May with a dick, I am all in. <laughs> but it, they didn't want that. They no. wanted Blair to cry and they wanted him to be weak and they wanted him to be dependent on Jim for an actual living. I, they wanted Blair to be an accessory. <laughs> Yeah, says Blair took out a terrorist with a vending machine. He totally yeah. did. Exactly. He was not uh, crying in the corner. And and well, they also accused me of um, cheating in the actual awards voting because I put on my site that I had um, gotten nominated for all these awards and I thanked them and asked my readers to vote. Well, at the time, I had an overwhelming majority of. Stargate readers who all went and voted for me apparently and they said that that was cheating. So like none of these other people announced the fact that they had been a, a nominated for these awards? I mean I, I don't know. Of course they did. It was cheating. Yeah, so yeah there was a lot of butt hurt. Like whatever. People are so weird. 
I'm really proud of the work I did in the Awakening. Um, especially since now, you know, I'm fully willing to admit that I never watched a single episode of the Sentinel when I, when I wrote that. I did eventually watch the show, but I didn't before I wrote that. <laughs> I'd read some uh, transcripts. Does that count? <laughs> it all it counts. I mean, that was my primary reference point for for Teen Wolf. But when I first started writing it, I mean, I did. I watched the Sentinel when it aired, so. My one sad lone sentinel sentinel alone fic was the one that I accidentally posted under my real email address. With my real name on it. Yeah, I, I got that taken down, but I could never post it again because somebody out there was gonna remember. Yeah. Why she posted this under the name of, you know whatever. But so somebody asked earlier, I forgot to circle back to the question about I have two stories called one called for you um, and one called catalyst two series and only for you is up and only the first episode of for you is up and they asked if those are fan fictions of each other I guess you could look at it that way I don't personally because the departure point the, they're sliding doors of each other which if you don't know what sliding doors is you need to watch the movie because it is its own kind of trope it's a very Side good movie, even if it's got Gwyneth Paltrow in it. I'm yeah. not a fan of Gwyneth Paltrow by any stretch of the imagination. I think she's a dip. Um, it's a major dip. Um, but it was a very good movie. It, it's, yeah. it, it actually, it, it's a master class on ripples and consequences. Yeah. So you definitely need to watch it just from a writer point of view and take notes on it and really explore the structure um, and the ripples that take place because of the choices that get made. It's fascinating. So my sliding door in these two stories occurs pre-series. So um, it's why I don't really call it fanfic of fanfic is because every the, the departure point between that's different between the two occurs. Um, it occurs on screen in For You, but it occurs what, 10 years before Catalyst, I think? And um, the, the departure point is uh, that when Tony stood up by his fiance, that in For You, his one of his former lovers comes and meets him at a bar and rekindles their relationship. And that doesn't happen in Catalyst. And so in Catalyst, eventually his former lover dies and then nine years later, Tony goes to John McGarrett's funeral and meets Steve. So Catalyst isn't available online right now. Yeah, it's not it's not up. Um I actually have the first two episodes completely done. They've even been through beta. But I'm trying to finish the third episode before I start posting on that one. But yeah, so Catalyst I did write for the Battle of the Five Fandoms. That was my entry for the Battle of the Five Fandoms was Catalyst. So, um, and that's the story where, um, if anybody remembers the story where Tony is garroted in his hotel room, it's that story. So anyway, they're sliding doors of each other in the sense that there was a critical moment where an OC made a different decision in um, the For You-verse that set Tony on a completely different path. Whereas because that OC didn't make a reappearance in Tony's life, um, 
Tony winds up um, going through down the canon path until he diverges from canon in season and eight. That OC isn't doesn't take his phone call downstairs on the sidewalk. He take he doesn't have a phone call at all. So he is right where he's supposed to be. Yep. In Catalyst, he's right where he's supposed to be. So he's dead in Catalyst, which Kira was... When Kira realized that, when she was reading for you the first time, she's like, he's dead in Catalyst, isn't he? And I'm like, yes, he is. He's very did dead. I cuss her out? Yes, I, she did. Yes, I did. <laughs> like, oh, God, you... you oh, oh, it was... Oh. <laughs> I had a bridge tantrum. <laughs> How dare well, you? Which... To me, it was like, I was sorry that every, I, I, was less, I was sad myself, but I was sorry I made her sad, but I couldn't, I couldn't not be pleased that I had been so successful in original character that she cared that he was dead. <laughs> Let's not talk about it anymore. Even if I do mothership it, that's not the same. Well, Ethan's awesome though. So, you know, you broke his mama's heart is what you did. I did break his mama's heart. I know. It's awful. It's just awful. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, see? Had, had now you've upset Desert. <laughs> <laughs> she hadn't made that connection. Well, sorry. <laughs> yeah, in, um, in For You, Ethan's supposed to be in a meeting um, when something bad happens. I won't say explicitly because I don't want to like upset people, but he's supposed to be in a meeting when something bad happens that would kill him. And he's not wanting to deal with the meeting and he wants to talk to Tony instead. So he stays outside and calls Tony. And so he's a witness to the bad thing happening instead of a victim of it. But yeah, so that you, you could kind of maybe say that was fanfic of my fanfic, but it's a little bit, I, I wouldn't really classify it that way because the two have nothing in common except for this. Um, well, they have backstory in common, but there's no commonality in in the canon timeline. As terrible as that is, nothing is quite as terrible as Jilly's headcanon about Tony Dinozo. Oh, you mean that he's a shepherd in every verse I've written? <laughs> right. He's always a shepherd. He's always, you guys, the missing shepherd baby. Think yeah. about that. Think about that. Sheep. Why would she tell me something like that? Because she's a heifer. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> And Kira immediately was like, but you mean Patrick's missing his baby in every one of these stories? I was like, yeah, pretty much. Patrick Shepard's missing his baby. Someone stole his baby in every one of Jilly's stories. And most of them doesn't look like he's ever going to get his baby back. This is true. This is very true. <laughs> no, Sadra, he's he was not going to find out in every verse that he that he is a shepherd. Star Kidler says, I need my emotional support penguin now. <laughs> <laughs> we all need one now. I the only go ahead. The only time that that is not true that in my head canon where it's explicitly dismissed is in 
subversive. Because of his... Because it, because it makes no sense. Right. <laughs> it, it, it just cannot be. I mean, if I if my plot explicitly I'll put this if my plot explicitly contradicts them being related in any fashion, then obviously they can't be. But if if it if they possibly could be, they are. <laughs> so basically, any story where Tony is coming to you out of his basic canon circumstances, he's really the stolen shepherd baby. Yep, in that's Julie's my head canon. In my head, I had a head cannon fuck me up. My own head cannon. When I was, um, and Lady Holder can attest to this. Um, when I was writing um, Lantian Legacy, um, when I was writing the second or the third book, the second book, because um, the third book is still in pieces. Um, when I was writing the um, first book, and I was thinking about the progression of the series, I. I realized that in my character profile that I had actually written him as John Sebastian Shepard. And it is my headcanon that if his middle name is Sebastian, then he has a son named Sebastian on earth. And if his middle name is Patrick, he doesn't. And I had written John Sebastian Shepard on his profile for Sentinels of Atlantis. And it was really annoying to, to see that because, um, I could have changed it, but that didn't seem genuine. And so then I was like, okay, how am I going to deal with Sebastian on Earth? And then that led to 300 hours of plotting book five <laughs> when we hadn't, when I hadn't even finished book two. <laughs> but I have some really great plot ideas for book five. Eventually. Eventually it will happen. Of course you have really good plot ideas for book five. Is it actually book five or or the book five when there wasn't a book two? The actual book five when there wasn't a book two. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it was to be book five. Um, I originally, well, I originally plotted the, the, the book two you guys eventually got was the one I plotted. But I let, and this happens sometimes in the, the beta process, um, and it's not their fault. They did their job. I was the one that went off the rails. Lady Holder and um, Chris had a whole bunch of questions um, about uh, what was coming and what was going to happen. And I tried to meet those expectations by inserting a book between my original book one and my original book two to answer those questions. Because there's a big time skip between book one and book two. Well... Lady Holder and Chris both wanted to know they wanted a book on the events of that time skip, but I didn't want to write it. But then I kind of felt like I had to write it because I, I felt pressure. No, it's not your fault. Like I said, that's the beta's job to ask questions and to um, to to clarify points. I mean, that's what that's what that's what a beta should do. And that was the relationship that I had with Chris and Lady Holder at the time, as far as like the creation of the Lantian legacy, um, which they were both instrumental in doing. Um, but it really stymied me because there was no, there was never that particular story to be told as far as I was concerned. So eventually I had to step back from it and let it go. And then I did book two. And it got published up on the site. So it's all, so that, yeah, it's book five. It would have been book six if the other book two had happened, but it didn't. So it's still, so it's still book five. <laughs> Does that make sense? 
I got it. So it's it's actual book five in relation to the two three. There are three books after what we've seen, but yeah, it could have been book six. No, there are book five. There there are five books total. It's the back. No, if you had book five. if you had written the other book too. Oh oh yeah yeah. It, it would it could have been book six. six. Yeah, but there would just be five. But yeah, we we there was a lot. You would not believe the difference between my first draft of Lantian Legacy and what ended up on the site. I mean, it's just night and day. Daniel, Daniel was a bitch, man. Because there's the thing, I actually didn't intend on Daniel coming through in the second wave when I first wrote book one. And so while they were messing around with book one in beta, I'd already started writing book two and Daniel was on earth. Well, during the second, third draft of book one. Yeah. The, the second, third draft of book one, because <laughs> it was like a whole lot of drafts. Um, and 3000 beta comments later, Daniel Jackson ends up on the city. So when it comes time to write book two, I'm like, <sighs> To, to edit book two, because book two had already been written, I was like, motherfucker, there's Daniel Jackson on Earth. He can't be on Earth. He's on Atlantis. Fuck, fuck. And that's how Jonas Quinn ended up on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> I had to stick somebody in there, so I did what they did. They didn't have a Daniel Jackson, so they stuck in the Jonas Quinn, so I did the same thing. <laughs> You might as well use the same plot device. You don't have a Daniel, you pick up a Jonas. <laughs> when in doubt, get your anthropologist from off world. <laughs> but yeah. This is annoying. It was so annoying. You know, when it comes to the fanfic of fanfic thing, um, I think if you're doing a fanfic of somebody else's fanfic, which, I mean, again, we talked about you have to be very careful how you do it. I think if it's really recognizable as a fanfic of somebody else's work, I would not feel comfortable as a reader unless I was seeing something like the words, you know, written with so-and-so's permission. You know, because that just, it just sets the reader's mind at ease, you know, to know that... I beg your pardon. That's a double bird. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a hardcore double bird. <laughs> My favorite I beg your pardon ever is when Hela tells Thor and Loki to kneel before their queen. And Loki's like, <laughs> bitch, what? <laughs> I beg your pardon has never sounded like bitch what more ever. In the history of the phrase. I did heart graffiti on uh, one of Kira's mothership prompts. I think I'm going <laughs> to heart graffiti all of her mothership prompts. There's going to be a whole month of them. I'm going to do a whole month of Harry Potter prompts for the Thursday. And a whole month of mothership prompts for Sunday. I already have them made. <laughs> And there's nothing wrong with that. Look, Live Long and Prosper coming out of his mouth in that first uh, Star Trek movie has never sounded more like go fuck yourself <laughs> in the history of Star Trek. <laughs> I 
in the first movie, which one? Which will live long and prosper? Two thousand nine, when um they tell him that he's welcome to the academy despite his genetic disadvantage. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes live longer prosper really does mean die in a fire. <laughs> die in your own fire. <laughs> so we are 10 minutes from the next post, which if I remember correctly is Starkindler. I think Star yes, Starkindler is up next. Um, we had uh, Star Tabby's story go up earlier today uh, with the insidious insidious growth of betrayal i don't know why insidious doesn't want to come out of my mouth but it didn't and on the subject of that and also the story we will have at this time tomorrow um i did want to give a special thanks to our we had two pinch hitter artists uh one uh for an author who who submitted late like they submitted the last day so on the 28th so we did have one artist step in and pinch it for them and that was fashion so for the authors so i just want to give special props to the artists who pulled it out at the very last minute for us and the other one was the art for um star tabby for the insidious insidious growth of betrayal and the artist who stepped in for an artist who dropped out was Oh, baby, I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Tabri, I think that might be how you pronounce that. But anyway, uh, thank you very much for uh, for coming in in a pinch for us with last-minute art. We really, really appreciate it. Other housekeeping. Um, as of eight minutes from now, there are two days left to sign up for Rev Trade. Um, for July. Remember our theme? You just gotta change the ending of two movies to suit yourself. It doesn't actually have to be a happily ever after. But I would ask you to warn if it's not. <laughs> yeah. If you're gonna blow up the world, you need to let us know. <laughs> yes, please do let us know. I think three days, right? Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? Well, tomorrow is... It's like eight minutes from the 13th for me. So, uh, Thursday and Friday. Isn't Saturday? I think, not through the... So, it's only the 14th. That's sign up for the 15th. Just teach me to not check. The, the 15th is Saturday. You're right. You're absolutely right. It'll be three days. It, okay. I was like, did we not flip the calendar over again? <laughs> I was basically not counting the 13th. <laughs> like it's over. You're you're like a building that likes to skip that floor. It's yep. Skipping it, it. It's that day's that day's not gonna happen. Anyways, um, so do keep that in mind. Um also um sign ups for the uh what was that other bang? Hold on. Let me go over 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 to the challenge announcements. While she's navigating there, we okay. do have a new channel over on Just Right with announcements just for challenges. So if you want to share your challenge, that's a good spot to do it. Unless you meet, some people may not have right permissions, but there's 
in the pinned post explain to you how to submit your challenge to get it announced. And you can um, scroll through for looking at um, active challenges and what's going on when. And we will be deleting anything that becomes outdated. So coming up, um, well, currently going on, is you can sign up for the Criminal Minds Reverse Bang um, from May 1st to June 30th. Crossovers are welcome. Um, and you can go, uh, if you go over to the channel, you can see the, um, the links for it. Uh, and then, of course, the double OQ reverse Big Bang starts in July. So sign up start July 13th. Uh, for, and they close for artists on August 17th. And they close for authors on September 30th. So there's plenty of writing challenges to get you going if you need some inspiration. To get that started. So if, I, if, I, if you get anything out of this podcast tonight. What I would like you to get out of it. Is that one it's okay to be inspired. And two is it is perfectly reasonable. To give credit. And it is actually to your benefit. To give credit. Because then you don't have to deal with politics and drama. And while and I might not get butt hurt. If you don't give me credit. There are plenty of authors and fandom who will. Yes, and there it, there is that small segment who will get butt hurt over you giving them credit because they're going to come and make accusations at you or whatever. That's letting a couple of like bad apples who don't understand about idea ownership and the fact that it doesn't exist um, make you be not a good fandom citizen. To be frankly, to be frank with you, so just just tell them to send- fuck off. Send them some, some some links about can you own an idea and tell them to be quiet. There's nothing like getting a bunch of resource links as a response to shut someone up. In fact, just send them links. Don't even send them any of your own words. Just send them links. I use the, the list of links as a as a weapon quite often. It's I think we an unsettled. We have 22 signups for a rough trade, so that will be 44 stories, which will be pretty awesome. And remember that you can start planning and writing your quantum bang. The theme is never going to change. It's fix it. Um, and we're going to be doing a series of quantum bang podcasts leading up to um, the uh, the sign up period, which will go through the end of November this year. Yeah, we're going to add an extra month for the authors to sign up in case somebody gets really inspired during Nano and has something that they want to sign up with. So, um, that's all we got. And not- I think. Anything else? But notice I said inspired during Nano and not during Rough Trade. If you're posting it on Rough Trade, you it's can't not eligible. Use it because your fix got to be a fucking secret. That's right. If I could keep, you know, you if you read my story, and I am super proud of Unleash Your Demons because I feel like I did some excellent fucking craft work in there. My characterization was boom. And if I can keep that a secret, you assholes have got no excuse. Keep it a secret. I mean that with all fondness. That's right. Sit on it. I know it's hard. <laughs> Some days I thought I was going to hurt myself keeping it a secret. I'm just saying it was really difficult. 
But I kept it to myself and my bitches. And now we're going to start all over again. I don't know what I'm going to do this year. But we're going to do some um, Quantum Bang podcast talking about the Fix-It Trope and insertion points and ripples um, as it deals with um, time travel and fix-its and stuff like that. Since time travel is um, one of the more prominent themes in the Fix-It. Um, so we're just going to do a whole bunch of co- a podcast on that intermixed with some plot drifts. Um, and um, then um, I want to do one on plot to answer a question that we have currently in the channel. And uh, so we got a lot coming up. And we got a story that's about to post. So I know you guys want to go read it if you have time before you go to bed. Um, so we're going to end this podcast. You want to say good night, Jilly? Night, everyone. I'm going to go tell Craig to leave. (laughs) Just leave. Just leave, Craig. Bye, Craig.